Uh, take your Bibles this morning to the book of Romans, Romans chapter 2. We're going to pick up where we ended um, last week. For those that were here, uh, we were looking at the idea of rightly dividing the will of God and some aspects of that. Those that weren't, we'll do a quick um, review here of the, uh, of the material that we covered last week. As I said before, um, following the will of God for our lives is something that we do desire as Christians and something we should desire as Christians is to see what is God's will, what is God, what does God want for me um, and how God wants me to live and we, we find that and we follow uh, that in our lives. And as we're looking at the idea of properly understanding the will of God, we kind of looked into some detail as at some misconceptions and improper definitions and some proper definitions of the will of God. We looked in broad context, and we'll review that very briefly here, here in a minute, but getting to the idea of when, we're, when we talk about the will of God, we're usually referring to an idea that, that God has an individual plan for somebody, and when we tell somebody they need to find God's will, that's, that's kind of what's being referred to there, and there are some misconceptions about God's will um, for individuals that are out there. The first one that we looked at misconception-wise is based in Calvinism. Um, Calvinism is, is an idea that, that takes God's sovereignty to an unbiblical level and that God controls every aspect of every person's life and every detail of what happens, which would make God the author of sin. If you go and do something that you shouldn't do, if it was God that made you do that according to their theology. And so we know that's, that's not the case, that not, not everything that happens is God's will or something that God caused to happen. God allows it. God is in control of um, everything, but that doesn't mean he does control uh, every, everything in that regard. So that's Calvinism, how that, is, that views the will of God. We also looked at the idea that it's kind of the other extreme. Well, God just doesn't care. God, God can save you, and he wants you to live, live a good, good life, and, and whatever you want to do, whatever makes you happy, God's going to be happy with that because God's our Heavenly Father, and he's just okay with everything because that's the way dads are, just okay with however you want to, want to behave. Um, I don't know if you had a dad that way. I didn't have a dad uh, that way that wasn't... Um, interested in how I lived and, and what I did, and, and God's the same. He's our Heavenly Father. He's interested in the details of our life. Another misrepresentation or, or idea that some people have is, well, well, they kind of take it to another extreme and says, well, God has a, God has a will, a, a, a right and a wrong for every single decision in your life, even down to I'm getting up in the morning and getting dressed and I have two shirts and which one does God want me to wear today? And, and that's an extreme that some people take this idea to as far as what God's decisions that he has for you to do. And we saw the Bible says that God's will is something you can understand. God's, something that you can be, God's will is something you can be filled with the knowledge of. So when it's blue or red, red and you pick the wrong choice and now you're in sin for the rest of the day? Is that is that how it works? So obviously not. We looked at that as well. But then we kind of got to a, a idea that, that fits with the Bible of when it comes to God's will for individuals. We, we put it this way. Um, God has a plan for the life of each individual that is subject to his word and directed by his spirit. I mentioned last week that this is generally what we mean when we say the will of God. The young person needs to find God's will. What we're saying is you need to find what God's plan is for you as an individual that's submitted to his word and directed by his spirit. That's what we're trying to encourage them to do. Now, to be clear, I don't think it is wrong to use the term God's will to describe that. We went to a very specific biblical definition of God's will last week, but I'm not saying it's 
wrong to say, okay, well, you need to find God's will when it's really God's plan, and we don't need to be hung up on those kind of nuances of, of articulation there. In fact, it's interesting this week, if you're reading along with the church, you, you read the first use of the phrase, the will of God in the Bible. In Ezra chapter 7 is the first time the phrase, the will of God is used, and it is used by a pagan king. A pagan king was sending Ezra back to help get the temple rebuilt, and he told them he gave him some money and had some, some funds given towards the project, and he said, do this with the money, but whatever's left, use it according to the will of your God. And that's the, the first expression, and that's kind of what he's referring to. However God wants you to do this, and they had some specific instructions, but they also had some liberty in that how they wanted to use that. So the, the term will of God does, can be used to refer um, to a God's plan for an individual. We're just kind of this lesson making a very clear distinction so we can get in our mind these separate separate aspects of the will of God to help us move into what God's plan is for us individually. So we ended last week with the idea of God's revealed will. So we started with defining it and we looked at God's sovereign will. God's sovereign will we called divine determination. These are things that God has decided that are going to happen. Things like the birth of Christ that was going to happen and nothing could change that. Satan couldn't mess that up. Man couldn't mess that up. God decided it. That's going to happen regardless. That's one aspect of God's will. Then we had God's general will. This is divine desire. Just things that God wants to happen. God wants people to live moral lives. God wants people to follow the Ten Commandments. God wants everybody to be saved. And it's just things that God would like to take place or God would, good, would desire would happen. And we went to God's revealed will. We called this divine directions. These are the instructions that God has given to us as Christians in the Word of God. So that brings us up to where we, where we ended um, last week. And we ended on this verse in Romans 2 where I had you turn with me. Romans 2, 17 and 18. We'll, we'll go, come back to here and we'll pick this up again. So Romans 2, verse number 17. Behold, thou art called a Jew, and restest in the law, and makest thy boast of God, and knowest his will, and approvest the things that are more excellent, being instructed out of the law. And we, we saw from this passage that the Jews, it was said of them that they could know the will of God. They knew God's will. Why? Because they were instructed out of God's word. They had God's word, and because they had God's word and they had learned God's word, they'd been taught God's word, they knew God's will. And we saw that God's revealed will is based on God's revealed word, and we have a clear understanding when the Bible, almost all the time that the Bible uses the phrase, the will of God, this is what it's referring to, the things God's put in His word for us to do as believers. So let's open with a word of prayer, and we'll get into our new material for today. Lord, we love you and we thank you for the time we have to gather around your word this morning. Pray that the thoughts would come across clearly and that we would be understanding regarding your will. And Lord, as we each seek to live for you uh, personally, that you would guide us and that we'd be submitted to uh, your will and your spirit and your word as we move about our lives. Lord, pray you bless this time around your word this morning and ask this in Christ's name. Amen. So we ended in the middle of the revealed will, the divine directions that God has given. We saw that God has his will revealed in the Bible. God told us that we can know his will because Ephesians 5, 17 says it's something that we can understand. Colossians 1, verse number 9 says that we can be filled with the knowledge of God's will. And Romans chapter 12, verse number 2 says that we can prove it, we can try it, we can test out the will of God. And we saw that knowing God's will starts with the Bible. That's what we just looked at in Romans chapter 2, verses 17 and verse number 18. 
some aspects of God's will. Uh, again, these last three are review from last week. It is that God's will is absolute, meaning it's 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 settled. It's not going to change. It's not going to be updated. Uh, God's will is settled in His Word, and His Word is settled forever in heaven. So God's word is, will is absolute. God's will is revealed because God put it in the Bible. You want to know what God's will is for you as an individual? Go to the Bible. It's there. It's revealed for you. And then we have the God's will revealed. Will is uniform, meaning it's the same for everybody. The instructions in here are. Are for all of us, and we're all to we're all to follow them. So, what is the revealed will of God? What what does the Bible tell us that this is what God's will is? Now, the first point is going to encompass everything that everything in the Bible it, that God has given us as instructions is God's will. We see that by comparing Matthew chapter twelve verse number fifty with Luke chapter eight verse number twenty one. I'll read them for you. Matthew twelve verse number fifty says, "For whosoever shall do the will of my Father which is in heaven, the same is my brother, sister, and mother." So, some the will of God is something that you are to do. You're to do God's will, and those that do that are that are His um, mother, uh, brother, sister, and mother. Then you go to Luke chapter 8. This is a companion passage. He answered and said to them, My mother and my brethren are these that hear the word of God and do it. So Jesus equated hearing the word of God and doing the word of God with another passage, doing the will of God. The will of God is hearing the word of God and doing the word, hearing the word of God and doing it. That is equated by Jesus with doing the will of God. So anything God has in the Bible for us as Christians is God's will. So that encompasses all of it. Now, there are some specific things that God uses the term, the will of God, to give a little bit more detail for us. And as Christians, that this, if you do this, you are following God's will. And we're going to go through these um, rather quickly, but we'll take some time to, to look at them as we do. But Romans chapter 8, verses 26 through 30, we looked at this um, a little bit last week. A pastor did in the morning service. The phrase, the will of God, shows up in these verses in Romans chapter 8. It says there, likewise, the Spirit also helpeth our infirmities. This is Romans chapter 8, verses 26 through 30, if you want to follow along. For we know not, not what we should pray for as we ought, but the Spirit itself maketh intercession for us with, groaning, with groanings which cannot be uttered. And he that searcheth the heart knoweth the mind of the Spirit, because he maketh intercessions for the saints according to the will of God. So the Holy Spirit within us is praying for us. And he's praying for the will of God to be accomplished in, his, in our lives as believers. And then he's going to go on to describe what this is that the Holy Spirit desires for us in the next couple of verses. We have the verse from last week. And we know that all things work together for good to them that love God, to them that, who are the called according to his purpose. Then we get to the description of a Christian's life. For though, it says, For whom he did foreknow, he did also predestinate to be conformed to the image of his Son, that he might be the firstborn among many brethren. Moreover, whom he did predestinate, them also he called, and whom he called, them he also justified, and whom he justified, he also glorified. There are a lot of big words in, in that passage. We're not going to get into uh, explaining all those, but kind of where it ends, it says that he's had some people he's called, and that's a reference to salvation. And those that responded to Christ's call, it says he justified them. We looked at that word again uh, several weeks ago. Pastor taught on that in a service, the idea of 
being justified. So you've been saved. You are justified, and whom he justified, he also glorified. That as Christians, we have a pattern in our life of us becoming, as described in the verse, conformed to the image of Christ. As we're conformed to the image of Christ, we are doing the will of God. And it's what the Spirit of God is is interceding for us, is praying for us that the will of God is accomplished in our life. And the will of God is that we're conformed to Christ as we are are saved and justified and glorified and God works his will in our lives to make us more like Christ. So that's a reference to the will of God. God wants you to be like Christ. We see that from Romans chapter 8. It's also the revealed will of God that we live a sanctified and a holy life. In 1 Thessalonians chapter 4, verses 3 through 7. For this is the will of God. Here it is, very clearly. This is what God wants for you. This is God's revealed will for you. Even your sanctification, that ye should abstain from fornication, that ye should know how to possess his vessel in sanctification and honor. Then jumping down to the end, for God hath not called us unto uncleanness, but unto holiness. God has called you to be holy, and that is the will of God. It's God's will that you as a Christian are to live a holy life. So as we're putting these pieces together, God's got instructions in the Word of God. God wants us. It's God's will that we be like Christ. It's God's will that we be holy. It's God's will that we give thanks. We give thanks in everything. In 1 Thessalonians chapter 5, verse number 18, In everything give thanks, for this is the will of God in Christ Jesus concerning you. What is God's will for me as a Christian? Be thankful. Uh, that's God's will. It's what He wants you to do. He wants you to be thankful. The ladies took some time to look at gratitude uh, in, their, in their sessions. And uh, we have the idea of being thankful. And that's God's will because God told us that's what we should be. That's what we should be doing. So if you want to follow God's will, be a thankful person. Be a holy person. Become more like Christ and read the Word of God and do it. And you're following the will of God. It's God's revealed will also that we serve those who are in authority from the heart. In Ephesians chapter 6, verses 5 through 8, talking about servants um, and their relationship with their masters and how they're supposed to serve, not with eye service as men pleasers, but as the servants of Christ, doing the will of God from the heart, with goodwill doing service as to the Lord and uh, not to men. Serving God. As we serve others, as we fulfill our roles, as we do it, we're serving God. That's, that's God's will, that we serve as unto Christ for us as, as believers. So another revealed aspect of God's revealed will is that we serve those in authority from the heart. We also see it's God's revealed will that we submit to the ordinance of man for the Lord's sake. In 1 Peter 2, verses 13 to 16, Submit yourselves to every ordinance of man for the Lord's sake, whether it be to kings as supreme or unto governors, as unto them that are sent by him for the punishment of evildoers and for the praise of them that do well. For so is the will of God. This is God's will, that you follow the ordinances of man as they, as they align with the Word of God. We took a lot of time to look at this in our study on biblical civics, uh, this idea in particular. But this is God's will, God's will for us to submit to the ordinance of man. And we're doing it not for man's sake, uh, we're doing it for the Lord's sake. And the verse goes on to talk about our testimony and how by doing so we can, we can put those to silence, the ignorance of men, not using our liberty for maliciousness, but using our liberty to serve God. And so it's God's will that, that, that we be good citizens. That's an aspect of, of the will of God revealed to us. It's also God's revealed will that we redeem the time, uh, using our time uh, uh, justly, profitably, not squandering it, not wasting it. You've only got um, one life to live, which will soon be passed, and it's only what's done for Christ will last. We have time that God has given us, and we need to use that time um, for the Lord. So Romans or Ephesians chapter 5, verses 15 through 17, See then that you walk circumspectly, not as fools, but as wise, redeeming the time because the days are evil, Wherefore, 
be not unwise, but understanding what the will of the Lord is. So we have time to use and we need to use it for God. And because there's only so much time in our life, we need to understand the will of God so we can use our time in our life doing the will of God. And he goes on in this passage to talk about a lot more that fits into the will of God. Uh, He talks about singing, singing and making melody in your hearts. He talks about speaking yourselves in psalms and hymns and spiritual songs. He talks about being filled with the Spirit. Be not drunk with wine, but be filled with the Spirit. This is all, understand what the will of God is. Be filled with the Spirit. Speak in song and hymn and spiritual songs. Sing and make melody in your hearts to the Lord. Submit yourselves one to another. Wives, submit yourselves to your husbands. Um, Husbands, love your wives. Children, obey your parents. That all flows out of understand God's will. Here's what God wants you to do. And all those verses come out of that of being filled with the Spirit, submitting to authority, the roles that we have within our homes. That is all laid out as part of the will of God, God's revealed will in Ephesians chapter 5. We also see it's God's revealed will that we should not be conformed to this world, but be transformed to the image of Christ. Romans 12, 1 and 2, we read these verses last week. But I beseech you, therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God, that ye present your bodies a living sacrifice, holy, acceptable unto God, which is your reasonable service. Be not conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind, that ye may prove what is that good and acceptable and perfect will of God. God's will to not be like this world and instead be like Christ. We saw that from Romans chapter 8 as well. God's will for us to be conformed to Christ, be more like Him. And we see it's also God's revealed will that we put our trust in Christ and be saved. For 2 Peter 3 verse 9 says, The Lord is not slack concerning His promise, as some men count slackness, but is long-suffering to us, we're not willing that any should perish, but that all should come to repentance. It's God's will that everybody be saved. It's what God wants, um, wants for us to do. And there's another verse in 1 Timothy that describes that as well. But I want to take this one step further in application for us. If it's God's will for all people to be saved, they ha- in order to be saved, they have to hear the gospel. And how can they hear without a preacher? Go ye therefore and teach all nations. We have a command to go and tell people about the Lord so that we can be, so they can be saved. If they can't hear the gospel, they won't have the opportunity to follow the will of God in this area. So by, by extrapolation, by application, as Christians, it's our will, it's God's will for us to go and share the gospel so that other people can follow God's will and be saved. And so we have that responsibility tied in here as well. So God's revealed will is anything that's in his word, but he has some things specifically that he addressed and said, this is my will for you. This is what I want you to be doing, the instructions that God has given for us. And I know I went through all of that very quickly, but I put it in the notes and I put all the scripture references in the notes and you can go back and and look at those uh, again. But I wanted to take more time with this next section. That's why we're going through that section really quickly. So as we get into these, these next, you say the next section, there's no points under the next section. The whole rest of the lesson I want to take more time on. We have, going from the revealed will of God, so walking all the way back, we have God's divine, uh, divine decisions that he's made, that he's decided things were going to happen. And we have God's will being the, um, the general will or that God wants divine desire, what God wants for everybody to do. Gets a little bit more specific. And then we have God's, God's revealed will, what he's put in scripture for us as Christians to do. The next step, and we're working our way towards how do I find the will of God? The next step is what I've called God's applied will. 
God's apply will. Because not every decision that we make can we go to the Bible and say, oh, here's what God wants me to do because thou shalt buy this model vehicle. Um, that's, not, that's not in the Bible. I don't, I don't have in, in, in the Word of God what neighborhood I'm supposed to live in. I don't have written down in, in the book of, of, of Ezekiel of, of what I'm supposed to name my child. And, and I'm making these decisions and, and things, where, where do I get, where do I go from here? What job am I supposed to take? What career? We go to the next step is God's, God's applied will. God has a will for you in the decisions that you make that is subject to his revealed will. We go from the straightforward revealed will of God described in Scripture towards God's individual plan for our lives. And this middle step is very important. Before we get to, I need to know God's plan for me and, and, and where I'm supposed to go to school and, and who I'm supposed to marry and what job I'm supposed to have. And we need this middle step of applying the revealed will of God. This applied will is where we take what was practicing in the revealed will, apply those principles and truths to the decision that we need to make. We have decisions sometimes that are not clearly defined in Scripture, but there are always biblical principles or aspects of God's revealed will that will provide input on our decisions. You have a big decision you're making, God's revealed will should weigh into that. Even though when I was a, a high school and I was making a decision about where I was going to college, I couldn't find thou shalt go to Fairhaven Baptist College and study pastoral theology. It wasn't, wasn't in there. I went through all of it and I couldn't find that in the Bible. But there are principles in the Bible, if I'm following God's revealed will for me, that have input on my decision. Saying this is going to this, I'm going to apply what's here to the decision that I'm making right here. And so let's use that example of choosing a college. We have teenagers in here, and uh, this was originally taught to teenagers. So thinking about this decision, where do I go to school? Some some are older that are thinking about that already. How how do I apply what's in here to the decision I'm making about a school that I'm going to? Well, if you're considering going to a college in a place where you cannot be faithful at a Bible-believing and practicing New Testament church, it's not God's will for you to go there because that would violate the God's revealed will that you're supposed to be in church. You know, God's Word says I need to be in church faithfully. And so if I'm looking at a college and there's no place where I can be faithfully in a good church, that's not the college wants me to go to because if I go there, I'm going to disobey this. And so I let God's word impact my decision, and I evaluate my decision based on the principles of the word of God. As we're talking about deciding about, about a college, this, adults can apply this to deciding about work. Um, you have work opportunities come up. These, these things come into these same decisions as we're, as we're making them. If you're considering going to a college where you would have to stay in the dorm, some colleges require that. You have to stay uh, in the dorm while you're there, and, and that's going to put you in a position where you're surrounded by ungodliness. It's going gonna, it's gonna to have you very close to violating biblical principle like coming out from among them and being separate. Like, look, like, look not on the wine when it is red and when it, gives it giveth its color in the cup when it moves itself aright. About being unequally yoked together with unbelievers, about abstaining from the very appearance of evil. If you're required to go, if, if you go to this school and I have to be in the dorm and I'm going to be in a situation where I'm surrounded by immorality and drinking and perverse things that I'm going to be encountering, that's not what God wants for me because I'm not supposed to see those things. I'm not supposed to be around those things. I'm not supposed to be in that kind of environment. So I let the principles help my decision. If you're considering going to a college where you have to sit under the counsel of the ungodly, sometimes you have to do that. 
You have to go to college and you're going to have to sit under the counsel of the ungodly. But God warns us about doing that, about sit, how we shouldn't sit under the counsel of the ungodly. Sometimes it's not avoidable, but sometimes it is. You can go to a place where you don't have to sit under the counsel of the ungodly. So I'm making a decision between, decision between two schools, and this one I have to be in this program, and I have to take these classes, and, and this cult, the culture at this school is this way. And I have another option where I could go to maybe a Bible college, and, and, it, and it's not studying for ministry, but studying for some other area. I'm not putting my Myself under the counsel of the ungodly. That's a better choice to make that lines up more with Scripture as I'm evaluating the decision. If you're considering going to a college where your parents don't want you to go, uh, we have commands about honoring and obeying our parents, and so your parents have input on the decision that you're making. If you're going to a school where you're forbidden from sharing your faith, you're not allowed to talk about that on campus. Well, we're supposed to, we're required as Christians to share the gospel. So if I go, I'm going to somewhere where I'm not allowed to do that, well, I'm not going to be able to follow God's revealed will. I'm not going to be able to follow biblical principles. What's your motivation for going? Some people go to go out of pride. I'm going to go to this school because then that's going to be on my wall that I went to this school and I'm just inflating my own ego. Is that, as Christians, our desire, how we make decisions on, what, on what's best to suit our pride and to stroke our ego? Are you going because you're greedy of gain and, and that's where you can get a lot of money if you go there? So evaluate your motivations according to the Word of God. So the, the applied will of God is when we take what's clear in Scripture and put those principles into effect in the decisions that we make. How about an example of buying a vehicle? There's not um, a verse in the Bible, thou shalt not drive Chevys. Um, now, if I wrote the Bible, it might have been in there, but I didn't, I didn't write it. Uh, so that's, that's not in, in, in the Word of God. So how do I, how do I make decisions? Well, does the purchase of this vehicle allow you to be a good steward of your treasure? We have Bible principle related to stewardship. Does the purchase, uh, will having this car prevent you from fulfilling other God-given responsibilities? I heard this week, uh, I was listening to something, there, the average car payment in America right now, $733 a month. Average car payment right now. In the same thing I was listening to, I heard that they had somebody walking around a car dealership and they were asking salesmen, what their car payment was. There was a man that they asked him, what's your car payment? He said, my car payment is $14.83 a month. He said, my wife's is $10.25 a month. At $2,500 a month in car payments on two vehicles. You put yourself in that kind of a position, you're not going to be able to serve God. Because you're going to be working overtime when ministry is going on. You're going to be missing church services because you've put yourself in a position where you're, you're strapped and you become a, a, a debtor um, to, to some man. You become the slave to the, to the car company um, when you apply biblical principles. So you look at Bible principles and say, you know, that's not a decision that's going to allow me to, that's going to hinder me from serving God. It's going to, it's going to limit your ability to fill God's commands regarding giving and generosity. What about your motivations? We talked about motivations for going to college. What's your motivation for getting that car? Uh, is, it, is, it, is it a status symbol? Is it to inflate my pride? Do I want to impress the guy at the, uh, at the stoplight how loud my truck is? Um, do I want to be the tallest truck in the, in the um, tractor supply company parking lot? Because um, I'll, I'll, I'll be able to see uh, people look at me. And um, Now, I like tall trucks uh, because you can see them when you get out of the store. Like, oh, I parked over there because I'm above everybody else. That's, that's my preference for, for um, tall trucks. But uh, um, they're getting harder to climb in and out of. Uh, but anyway, what's, what's the motivation? What's the motivation for, for your purchase that you're making? Evaluate, why do I want to do this? What, what's this for? What am I going to use this for? What's the purpose of this? 
How does that car fit into God's warnings concerning debt? How does it affect your testimony as a Christian? There's nothing wrong with having a nice car. Um, that's perfectly fine to have a nice car. And if you, God's blessed you and you're financially in a place where you can, where you can do that and you're, and you're applying the biblical principles, go for it. I'm excited if you have a nice car. Um, but take time to look at what is God's input on this decision. Look at things spiritually. God has principles about the kind of clothing we're going to wear. Uh, we're supposed to wear. There's, there's verses about modesty, nakedness, distinction, and our testimonies. And these should factor into the decisions of what kind of clothes we're going to choose, we're going to wear or not wear. There are decisions that we make where we apply the revealed will of God to show us the will of God in our decision. We look at the Bible and say, what does God think about what I'm doing right here? This is important because a lot of people will claim that they're doing God's will. Well, it's God's will for me to do this, or God wants me to do this. And then you look at their decision, and you look at the Bible, and the two don't agree. You say, well, that, I, that's not God's will. Because you can't do something contrary to the Word of God and claim it's what God wants you to do. So this is the transition that we need to be following what's in Scripture. But when we get out of Scripture on our decisions, and we have to make choices about these other things in our life, where we're going to live and what kind of job we're going to have and where we're going to go to school and, and these other decisions, we need, who we're going to marry, we look at the Bible and we see what God thinks about our decision. That's the applied will of God. And this is the step to get us to what's God's will for my life. Because this is our last point here is what's God's plan for me? God's plan for me as an individual. That's the, that's the final step. Because there's sometimes there's decisions where it's right and wrong. Clearly God says yes or no on this. And there's sometimes where... There's nothing wrong with either choice. And then what am I supposed to do? And that's where we get to this last. Because if there's a right and a wrong, we know what to do. We do what's right. We follow the applied will of God. We start here on every decision. Okay, God said no, I'm not going to do it. All right? Hey, God didn't say no specifically, but what did he say about it? Okay, this doesn't seem to line up with what God wants. I'm going right here. But then there's this last decision, this last area where I'm deciding for me which way I'm going to go with my life. And there's some individual uh, choices in that regard. And that's with our final step. But we never contradict these two over here. We, we never end up over here doing something different than what's, what's written right here. So that's why we lay this foundation, getting us to this point of how do I know what God wants me to do. We need to follow and submit to the revealed will of God. We need to submit to the applied will of God. And then that puts us in our position where we can follow the, God, the plan that God has for each of us individually mentioned this already, but when we get into our lives individually, as we live within the revealed and the applied will of God, we can see that God does have a plan for you. The steps of a good man are ordered by the Lord. And it has a plan for you and I that operates within circumstances. It's subject to change, and it can include options that Things, things, things change in God's plan along the way for me. And I had thought, thought that God wanted one thing and circumstances led to another thing. And I'm just following what God wants me to do on a daily basis on following God's plan as I live submitted to his will. And this is, again, where we get down to that question, how do I find God's will for my life? God's plan for our lives really falls under the uh, biblical principle regarding Christian liberty. Now, Christian liberty is not liberty to do whatever you want. Romans 14 talks about Christian liberty. It's not liberty to do whatever you want. It's liberty to live within the will of God, within the word of God. Whatever God has set up for me to do, I've got freedom within those boundaries. Romans 14, it deals with a couple things, but one of them is holy days. You want to celebrate a holy day? As long as it doesn't violate scripture, have at it. You don't want to celebrate the holy day? If it doesn't violate scripture, 
have at it. You can, you can make these choices as, as a Christian, as long as you're living here, that God gives you some liberty to follow Him as He directs you with His Spirit. And that's this idea of us finding God's plan for our lives is that there's some liberty there. That as long as I'm doing what's right here and I'm not violating this, God will prevent me, present me with some choices and I can pray about it and His Spirit can lead me through those decisions. God's plan for me is how God wants me as an individual to live based on His revealed and His applied will. And this comes down to what we should do when we have multiple choices and none of them violate biblical principles. So, starting out, when it comes to God's plan for my life, what are some principles we need to understand? First of all, God's plan will never contradict God's word. The decision, well, this is what God wants me to do. Well, God's, no. So, no, that's not what God wants you to do. We've stressed that over and over, but it's important God's plan for you doesn't ever contradict His Word. You don't get to do something special um, off outside the Word of God just because you're special. No, we all have the same revealed will of God. And this is the same. It's absolute. It doesn't change. It's uniform. It's for all of us. And God put it in here so we can understand it. So that's the first, first thing we need to understand. His plan will never contradict His Word. Second thing we need to understand is that God's plan is often um, or usually revealed over time. It's not always revealed at the same extent. Uh, Abraham went out not knowing where he was going. God told him to go to a place where I'm going to tell you you're going to get there. All right, So he just started going. He had some revealed will of God because God told him to go, but he didn't have anything beyond that. So his, God's plan for um, Abraham was revealed over time. And it, the same is true in all of our lives, and we give testimony to that. As a young person, I surrendered to preach, and I knew God was going to have me in the pastorate uh, when I was 13. That was back in 2003 that I knew that God was going to have me in the pastorate. I didn't know until 2012 that I was going to be here in Hunt Valley. So that plan was revealed over time, as God helped me make decisions and I stayed within the bounds of the Word of God and I applied God's Word to my decisions, God led me in His plan for my life and, and brought me here. And that's God's revealed will being revealed over time, God's plan for us revealed over time. God's plan can include options. Uh, it's, not, it's not a one and done. There, there's there's uh, the verse we looked at last week of, the Lord opened a door for me to go here and I went here. Because I had peace about going here. And so there was two options, and the Lord was in both of them. And Paul said, well, this is the one that I had peace about going to, even though the Lord opened this door here. There are choices that we can make as long as we're not violating Scripture. And the Holy Spirit leads us through those options. It's not a one and done. You don't, you don't miss one step along the way, and now you're out of the will of God for the rest of your life. I decided at this stage in my life to go this way, and I might have gone this way. And yes, my life would be completely different had I gone that way. But I think I could go that way and still be in the will of God as I follow God's plan for my life. But the Lord led me, and I went this way. And I feel this is where God has me, and I'm following that plan for my life, and, and I'm here. So just because I, I made a choice here doesn't mean I messed up the rest of my life. Um, and I never can be in the will of God again because I can't go back 15 years ago and change this decision. That God's will, because there's options there, it's not, not one and done. God's plan for you can change as you grow and you follow different options God gives for you. We just last week talked about the Bartels. They're not going to Russia. It was God's plan for them to be on deputation, to raise support, to go to Russia, and then that door closed um, because man made some decisions that interrupted what was going on in the world over there, and God has another plan that changed for them, and now they're an assistant pastor somewhere. And it doesn't mean now they're out of the will of God because they're not in Russia. They're following God's plan. That changes as you grow and as circumstances change. When I was a teenager, uh, I was convinced it was God's plan for me to be a church planner, and I was ready to go. As soon as I graduated high school, I was going to hit the road. I was going to plant a church. That's what, that's what was on my heart. That's what I wanted to do, and uh, that didn't happen. 
Because as I grew and God led me, I felt, you know what, I need to, God wants me to go to Bible college, get a little bit more, get a little bit more training. And so I went to Bible college and I got some more training. And yes, as soon as graduation hits, I'm going to go start planting churches. Uh, and then God led me through circumstances that, no, you're going to stay and get your master's degree. Not part of my plan. Never, never wanted it. I didn't, wasn't really interested in a college degree and I definitely wasn't interested in a master's degree. Um, but hey, God's plan led me along the way. Then I got, um, it, didn't, it did not uh, derail the circumstances, gave me the master's degree that, um, that we have. God did not end up having me plant a church, but instead gave me the opportunity to come here to Hunt Valley. But as I look back, you know, it was my desire to plant a church that caused me to meet our former pastor, David Betrell, because I went to a church planting conference that he was teaching at. And I told myself in that church planting conference, I said in my heart, if I ever did an internship, I want to do it at that guy's church. And uh, never thought about it again. And God works circumstances. I can't give the whole story now, but God worked it out to where God brought me here because as a 14-year-old, I want to plant a church. So God used a desire that I thought was going to take me one way to lead me down his path to where God has, God has me right now. So God's plan ch- can change as you go along. And you have a young person who comes to the altar at summer camp and they've surrendered to do such and such with their life. That's a desire God's put in their heart, but that might not be where they end up. Because God's plan can give them some, some change along the way. And we, we shouldn't put them in a position where they're, they're locked into what they said when they were nine and came back from summer camp. And you said you were going to be a missionary to the, to the, to the um, Galapagos Islands. And you're going to have to, we were locking them in a decision. God's working in their heart. And they're following God's plan for their life as, as they go along. Things can grow. Things can, things can change. Now, the next principle when it comes to God's plan for us, there are things in God's plan that will become God's will as you make those choices. When you make a choice, sometimes there's options. But once you make a choice, that becomes God's will. That, 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 doesn't, that doesn't change. And if you back it up in, in, your, in our life, we can go back um, as far as we want and choose to make decisions, but we'll go back in my life to Bible college. I found out about Fairhaven Baptist College. I prayed about it. I felt like that's where the Lord would have me to go. But I told somebody once, you know what, if I had known Commonwealth existed, I probably would have gone there instead. Um, because it's still in the South, <laughs> and I'm a Southerner, and I was, I was going to Bible college in Indiana. It was my first time north of the Mason-Dixon line, and, uh, and it was culture shock, and people up there are, are strange, and, and they're mean, they're not kind, and they're not friendly, and they, they look at you funny when you wave at them um, when you're driving down the road, and so I, I, if I'd have known, now had I had that other option, and, and it's a good school, and there's nothing wrong with going there, and I could have prayed about it, and God could have led me that way, my life would be completely different now based on that choice, where I probably wouldn't be married to the lady that I'm married to now. I wouldn't have the children I have. I might not be in the ministry I'm because those choices lead different directions. What I'm saying is when you, when you make a choice, when you have the options, that becomes God's will. So maybe there were options when it came to finding God's will for my life regarding a spouse. But once I made the choice, that's God's will. She's God's will. She's my soulmate. She's the one God has for me. There's no other options because the decision is made and that, that is settled. comes to making a decision for college young people. You're deciding. Maybe you have a couple good options. Once you decide on God's plan, God brought you there. You don't get to quit because it's hard because quitting is not God's will. So you make decisions. Some of, that, some of that God's will becomes, or some of God's plan becomes God's will. Becoming a parent might be optional. Once you have kids, no longer an option. Uh, you're a parent. You don't, get to, you don't get to reverse that decision. You don't get to reverse those circumstances. That's God's will for you, to be a parent now, um, once, that, once that takes place. 
And another principle, the final principle um, when it comes to understanding God's plan, if you are not following God's will, you will mess up God's plan. God has a, a way he wants you to go, and there may be choices, there may be options, but if you're living outside of the bounds of here, you're going to mess up everything God has for you over here. An example for, for young people, God may have you, God may desire for you to be in the ministry, serving God in a full-time capacity. But if you go live outside the will of God, and, and you live in, in the way the world promotes, and you end up in a, in a, in a situation where you have um, gotten married and divorced, you're no longer able to fulfill that aspect of God's will. God's plan. You, you're, you're disqualified from the ministry by how you, some choices you made when you're living outside of here. So whenever we're outside the word of God, we're messing up the plan of God, what God wants us for us to do. So how do I find God's plan? How do I, how do I find what God wants me to do? Well, there's some things that we don't do to find God's plan. Number one, we don't find God's plan through our feelings. The heart is deceitful. I just, well, I just feel better about this. I just feel like that's not how decisions are made. You don't necessarily find God's plan just because there's an open door. Uh, there's open doors we saw in the Bible that weren't the right option to take. Just because there's an opportunity doesn't mean there's an obligation uh, to go, go through, through the door. You don't find God's will by flipping to the first verse you find in the Bible and saying, there, that's what God wants me, wants me to do. There's a story of a person who did that. They, they flipped open the Bible and pointed at it and said, then, uh, it said, Judas went and hanged himself. They said, well, that couldn't have been God's will. Let me try again. They flipped it open, pointed the verse, and the verse said, um, go and do thou likewise. And then he said, that's not it. He closed the Bible. He opened it up again, pointed a verse, and it said, what thou doest, do quickly. Um, said that, this, this not the, that's not the method uh, for finding the will of God, just flipping his. Uh, and I know, I know stories, and I could tell some of things that happened because people did that and, and just completely messed up what was in the Bible and messed up for themselves and uh, ended up in not a bad situation, but kind of a humorous situation, an embarrassing situation because of how they chose God's will by flipping to verses. So, so what, do we, what do we do? First of all, focus on doing God's will. Do what's here. Take what's here and apply it to the decisions that you make. And the more you live here, the better off you're going to be as you follow God's plan for your life. Where we're stressing this again and again and again. It seems to be too easy of an answer and it seems to leave us with questions. But again, God's plan is revealed over time. If we're consistently doing God's will, when he gives us, gives us options that are in agreement with his will, it's not do or die, make or break. We just keep doing what God wants us to do. Keep following the will of God. We live within the bounds of scripture and God's going to lead us along the way. And we see also that God has given us some tools to help us determine his plan. He's given us some tools. First tool we have is the Holy Spirit. The Bible says the Holy Spirit will guide you in all truth. The Spirit of God lives within you. He's praying for the will of God to be accomplished in your life. He's more interested in it than you are. So you, you, you listen to him. You develop a relationship with him. You stay in the bounds of Scripture. You pray, 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 and the Holy Spirit leads you in God's plan for your life. It's a tool God's given you to help you define the truth. Secondly, we have the Word of God. The Word of God is a lamp to our feet and a light to our path. The more we're in the Word of God, the more we'll see and understand the mind of God. Our life is to be walked by faith, and faith comes from hearing the Word of God. When we are done with church tonight and it's getting darker earlier, and you guys get in the car and you turn your headlights on, um, the first thing you see is your house, right? You can see all the way home? No, you can see about 50 feet of road. But if you take that light that's going to your feet or the light to your tires and you do what you can with that light, guess what? The light shines a little further and you do what you can with that light and that light shines a little further and eventually you end up home as long as you follow directions. All right? But you're going to end up home as you stay in the light that's been given to your feet. The Word of God's a light to our feet, so we have 
some illumination on where we're supposed to go. And we, we, we follow that, and guess what? The light's going to shine a little further. Follow that, the light's going to shine a little further. So the, the Word of God, you, you're in the Word of God, you're going to see how God thinks about things. So when you're presented with those options, you can really apply the will of God to the decisions we're making. Reading the Bible, listening to preaching, and submitting to what we hear, that gets us ready to follow God's plan. God has given us godly counsel in other believers. Ask other Christians and older Christians about what, you, what they think about what you're doing. They have wisdom and experience and perspective that you don't have. Don't go find somebody that's going to agree with you. Uh, find somebody who's spiritual and, and can give you godly counsel. As young people, God's given you parents to help direct your life. The Bible says that children are as arrows in the hand of a mighty man. You know what arrows do? You point them and you let them go. And they go where you point them. So your parents are trying to point you as young people. So that when they let you go, you head the right direction. So listen to the counsel of your parents. God has given us pastors to help guide us. Obey them that have the rule of you. Submit yourselves, for they watch for your soul, as they that must give an account. So get, get advice from, from, your, from your pastors. And God's given you a spiritual gift. As you use God's spiritual gift for, for His glory, that's a tool that God uses to, to reveal your, His plan for your life. If you follow these principles, you can follow God's plan for your life. It doesn't have to be confusing. It doesn't have to be overwhelming. It doesn't have to be something we live in fear of. We follow God's will, and we can watch God's plan unfold 